We're going to take a little detour this morning. Going to do we've been in Acts, the book of Acts, for five or six, seven weeks. I'm going to take a little uh, left turn, do some Old Testament this morning. We are an equal opportunity church, and so even though New Testament gets probably more press time, we're going to go OT today. So that's that. I want to do something a little different this morning. Hang with me, okay? I am going to, we're going to, I'm going to be sharing with you this morning out of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at chapter 55 of Isaiah, um, but I'm not going to put the text up on the screen as I always do. Instead, we're going to read it out loud and I'm going to invite you, if you would like, to close your eyes and just listen and allow the kind of the word just to sort of pierce. Because I've been told, I don't have the sweetest voice in the world. I've invited my lovely daughter Jordan to come and read for me. And she has accompaniment, I believe. Is that right, Cindy? Are you going to come back and help her? So you guys can come. And I'm going to have Jordan read, uh, read from Isaiah. Are you reading off your phone? Don't screw up. Here, you need a microphone. So just close your eyes. Are you reading the wise, aren't you? You okay? Thank you. 
Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Cindy. Messed me up when I haven't even started yet. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Isaiah 55 is an invitation. You guys have all had invitations before. It's just come. Come. And it's very reminiscent to me of another invitation uh, in the New Testament. There's a passage you guys are familiar with in Luke chapter 14. It's a parable story that Jesus tells about a banquet. He actually says it's a great banquet. I don't know what a great banquet is or how you differentiate, but it's a great banquet. And uh, he, he says there, uh, you know, the banquet table is set and the food is prepared and the centerpieces are on the table and there's white linens and there's decorations and there's candles and it's wonderful and the invitation goes out and no one shows up. Everybody who was invited to that banquet uh, is otherwise occupied. You know, they're, they're too busy. Um, they have other engagements. They're family deals, things, issues to take care of, family concerns. But the... The master of the banquet, the host, has prepared this banquet, and so he's going to have a party. And he says to his servants, I want you to go. Go out in the streets and the alleys. I want you to invite the homeless, invite the poor, invite anybody you can find. Tell them to come to my banquet. So, uh, you know, an invitation is... and and. I guess part of what I want to share today really is this, that the essence of the kingdom of God really is an invitation. God is a, is a gentleman, and He doesn't force Himself upon us. He doesn't dictate anything in our lives. What He really does is He sets a table and He says, you're invited, come in. And it's, it's really, the ball then, so to speak, is in our court. It's up to us. Will we RSVP yes or no? Will we show up? Are we going to go to the banquet or not? The one thing about Isaiah, the breakdown between the parallel of the two is this. In Luke, the banquet, the original guests don't show up. So the host says, uh, I want you to invite the homeless, invite the poor, invite the sick, invite anybody you can find. This invitation goes out to those that are depleted from the very beginning. He says, come, all you who are thirsty. If you're thirsty, if you need a drink, come, I've got something for you. If you have no money, don't worry about it. No money, no problem. No shirt, no shoes, no problem. You come and eat. Come and buy. It's, it's free, it's here. It's, it goes out to anybody, anywhere in need. The table is set, the banquet is ready. The invitation goes out and... and it doesn't matter if you have resource or not, you're welcome to come. And the question, I suppose, you know, is, so, uh, are we going to go? Are, are, we, are we going to participate in the banquet or not? The Bible, it, it, to me, it, it, it tells the same story and it asks the same question over and over and over again. Are you going to go eat the food of pigs or are you going to come home to the master's house? Are, 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 are you going to come to the banquet or are you going to go wander aimlessly about? 
You know, it's, it's the same question over and over and over again. Are you going to receive this invitation and come to me or are you not? And if you don't, and sometimes I think we're a little bit like the folks in Luke and we sort of do kind of wander aimlessly about a little bit. I don't know if you've ever uh, felt like this. Why spend money on what is not bread? Your labor on what does not satisfy I would like for one day to have that kind of energy. Just, I don't think I'd, I don't think I want it all the time because it would drive me. It would just be too much. But one day would just be fun. Uh, why spend money on what doesn't fill you up and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Anybody ever feel like that? Or am I the only one? I feel like you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off, and you you really. You're not getting anywhere in life. And the uh, author Isaiah here says, listen. Listen. Says it twice, just in case. Listen to me, eat what is good. Your soul will delight in the richest affair. I think, um, I'm sure we all get it. The banquet is a metaphor. It's figurative language. This is not an actual banquet. There are no shrimp cocktails. There are no uh, bacon-wrapped dates, although I wish there were. Oh. Let's just take a moment. It's, uh... No, it's, it, it, this banquet is, is what uh, they refer to in the South as soul food. Uh... It's food for your soul. If you come to the banquet, your soul will delight in the richest affair. The the master of the banquet is concerned. He wants to feed your soul. He says in the next verse, I read this verse a hundred times this week and just uh, got lost in it. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. You know, the, the soul is a topic of, uh, of, of mystery and confusion and debate. What is the soul? What is your soul? Some guy did a study. They're trying to, what is the soul? They, they, he, uh, this, is, this is gross, but they did it. They, they weighed people at the moment they died to see if there was a loss in weight. And so they determined through scientific study that the human soul weighs 21 grams. Um, the, the point is this, that people, what is the soul? What, what is the soul? Biblically speaking, I believe this, the soul is the essence of life. It's the deepest it's what makes us us. The word in Hebrew, and I'm not a great Hebrew scholar, but Hebrew, the word is nepis. And it's used over 600 times in the Old Testament. 428 of those times, it's actually translated to the word soul as it is here. But 117 other times, the word is actually translated into our English word life. It's life. Your soul, the soul is your life. Your soul is what makes you who you are. Here's the thing. You've got to get this. This is really important. 
It's never used, none of those 600 times, in reference to uh, your immortal self, your, the, the part of you that lives on in, in eternity. It's always talking about the part of you that lives right now. It's the, the, your soul is the essence of your life. Your soul is the difference between living, truly living, and just existing. Your soul is the difference between, as sometimes people say, thriving or surviving, if you've ever been in that place. Your soul is the difference between what Jesus calls abundant life or, I guess, what we could refer to as non-abundant life. That's what your soul is. And so, again, here is the invitation for your soul to be fed. And how are we going to respond to that? Do we have a field that we have to go see? Do we have a game that we have to coach? Do we have uh, family things that we have to take care of? Do we have a little bit of work at overtime things we have to do this week? Look, we're all busy people. There's no question in my mind about that. We all have obligations in life, but we also have a choice to say yes or no to the invitation to the banquet and eat of the richest of fare that our soul may live. And my question is, you know, uh, are we sometimes trapped in a place of existence and walking around in life? We're living and breathing and speaking, but are we really alive? Where, where, where is our soul really at? Isaiah continues, and, and Jordan read it, to talk a little bit about David, and David was an illustration of this. I, I thought about this week, I, and I realized this, that the reason Isaiah used David as an illustration is not because David was the great man of God, it was because David was a broken man. Psalm 23, David says, he restores my soul. And I've often thought about David's soul, you know. Murder for hire by his brothers. Thrown in a pit, left for dead. Falsely accused time and time again. I, if Saul, made king and then taken away, tries to kill him. If ever there was a soul that needed restored, David's soul needed restored. The reason that Isaiah uses David is because David was a broken man with a broken soul. After the illustration of David, he, he redefines the invitation once again. And I want to share that with you. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the evil man His thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God, for He will freely pardon. Our God will freely pardon. Like the prodigal son who comes home, you know, this invitation goes out to everybody and the father is there with open arms waiting to receive them. Even, he says, to the wicked and the evil. I I would like, if I may, to make a little application here for a moment. I know some of you better than others. I know most of you fairly well. You, you, you got, you're not all perfect. 
Some of you have issues. Some of you have made a little mess along the way. Uh, Some of you sometimes do things that are not very nice. But I don't think, I'm, I'm certain, I'm pretty certain, any of you are in the category of wicked and evil. Look, the spectrum of human behavior to me looks something like this. There's Jesus is up here somewhere, okay? And then in the middle here is most of us. I think we live here most of the time. And this is kind of like, you know, we're moving up, not down, trying to get better, but occasionally things go sideways. And then somewhere down here is wicked and evil. I don't really think you guys are there. But Isaiah says the banquet table is open to everybody, even these guys down here. And here's the thing. I think some of you have disqualified yourselves. I think some of you have deemed yourselves unworthy to go to the banquet. I, I am not a good enough person to sit at that table. I am not a good enough person. I have done this and that and the other thing, and I don't think... I'm really worthy of going to the banquet. You've RSVP. In fact, you don't even answer. You just ignore the invitation because it, it certainly couldn't be for me. There's one little problem. And the problem is this. It's not your party. You don't get to make that call. It's his party and he says you're invited. Let your soul live. You know, you don't need to get cleaned up first. You don't need to buy a new dress. You don't need to do your hair. Just show up. Just show up. That's all he says. Just show up. I wouldn't do it that way if it were up to me. To be honest, if it were my party, I'd raise the bar a little bit. I I think I would... I would put some sort of requirement on the wicked and the evil. At least do a background check. But I was reminded as I read this this week of that harsh reality that keeps coming back to me that I'm not God. (laughs) You guys don't... You're so mean. Uh, Just when I thought I had it all figured out, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Here's the thing, I got to say this, that verse is used to, in a lot of ways, a lot of contexts, a lot of different, to, 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 to qualify a lot of things and i'm not going to say that those are necessarily wrong but i am going to say this that what the author meant by it is this my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways because i'd let them in because i'd let them in that's what he meant nobody in their right mind would say the evil and the wicked can come on into my party but he says yes they can come in that's what he says here 
Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Oh, man. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. He's going to have a party. He's going to have a party. If the people that somebody doesn't show up, he'll invite somebody. He's going to, he's going to go out. But the, servant, the servants are still out. The servants are still out in the alleys looking for people to invite in. They're still tracking down the lost and the lonely and saying, hey, I got a deal for you. They haven't started inviting. They haven't stopped inviting. The word here is in reference to the life-giving word of God, to what would be the breath of God. The, The Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, really Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And I say that only to say this, that very often when we read that, we equate the Word of God with the written Word of God. But it's really so much bigger than that. Did you know that in the Bible, the Word of God is never called the Word of God? Did you know that? Anybody know that? It's a little factor, fact, a little trivia there. In the Bible, the Old Testament refers to the Word of God, the written Word of God as what? The law. It's called the law. In the New Testament... I may be wrong. It might be a word a couple of times. You can go look that up and tell me later. But mostly it's referred to as either the law or Scripture. Almost always when the word word is used, it's in reference to what? To Jesus. The logos. The living word. The breath of God. It's like this. The word of God is the breath of God. It's the life of God. It's like creation. What happened at creation? God what? He spoke all things into being. God created life out of nothing. God said, you know, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke life. And that's the Word of God. He's speaking life. And His Word won't go out and come back without doing what He wants it to do. And what does He want it to do? He wants to have a party. He's going to have a party. The only question is, will we be there? Let me just say, the party's going to happen with or without you. So, I would go. Okay, big finish. Here's the uh, end game, outcome. What happens? Go to the party. What do you get? It's a goodie bag. I love that. Kid goes to the party, comes home, got a little goodie bag. We're in a party today, aren't we? Woohoo! For your old birthday party. Nothing better. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The, mount- peace. the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. This is what you get if you go to the party. You get joy and peace. That's what you go- get if you go to the party. You get joy and you get peace. What are the characteristics of those living in the presence of God? What are the characteristics of someone whose soul is alive? Uh, joy and peace. What really should mark the life of a Christian, joy and peace. What would differentiate uh, you and I and anybody else following after God from anybody else that's not following after God? Really, joy and peace. 
uh, two of the seven fruit of the Spirit are joy and peace. There's others, but those really are, in my mind, the trademarks. Those are the trademarks. How do you know if you've been to the banquet? Because you have joy and you have peace in your life. I really think there, it's, a, it's, it, it, it's a world transforming concept. I really do. I really do. I really think joy and peace could transform the world that we live in today. I don't think Christians need to do anything to change the world. We're always on a mission to change the world. I would say, let's try this. Just go to the banquet and get filled with joy and peace and see what happens to your life and your family and your neighbors and your neighborhood and your school and your place of business and your community. What happens to the world around you if you get filled with joy and peace? I don't know. It might be fun. We've got a couple minutes. Why don't we uh, pray again? Can we do that? Cindy, would you come up? Melody? Josh? Whoever? I want to. Um, we prayed earlier. That was nice. I, I actually, it was great, Lori. I in, I had intended to do that, and then kind of it gets away from me. But that was a great thing. But if anybody else would like prayer this morning, um, I, I would invite you to go ahead and and uh, come forward right now. Why don't you guys stand up? And I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up here to the front. We'll do it this way, just because it's probably easier to. Ooh, that, did you just crack?